Chapter Two, Part Four of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter Two, Part Four of The Arrest. Morel had heard the latter part of this narration with a dull indifference which rodolph had accounted for by attributing it to the heavy additional misfortune which had occurred to him after such violent and repeated shocks his tears must have dried up his sensibility have become lost he had not even the strength left to feel anger as rodolph thought but rodolph was mistaken as the flame of a candle which is nearly extinguished dies away and recovers so morel's reason already much shaken wavered for some time throwing out now and then some small rays of intelligence and then suddenly all was darkness absolutely unconscious of what was said or passing around him for some time the lapidary had become quite insane although his hand-wheel was placed on the other side of his working-table and he had not in his hands either stones or tools yet the occupied artisan was feigning the operations of his daily labour and affecting to use his implements he accompanied this pantomime with a sort of noise with his tongue against the roof of his mouth in imitation of the noise of his lathe in its rotatory motions but sir said louise again with increasing fright look pray look at my father then approaching the artisan she said to him father father morel gazed on his daughter with that troubled vague distracted wandering look which characterizes the insane and without discontinuing his assumed labour he replied in a low and melancholy tone i owe the notary thirteen hundred francs it is the price of louise's blood so i must work 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 oh i'll pay i'll pay i'll pay can it be possible this cannot be he is not mad no no exclaimed louise in a heart-rending voice he will recover it is but a momentary fit of absence morel my good fellow said rodolph to him we are here your daughter is near you she is innocent thirteen hundred francs said the lapidary not attending to rodolph but going on with his sham employment my father exclaimed louise throwing herself at his feet and clasping his hands in her own in spite of his resistance it is i it is your louise thirteen hundred francs he repeated resting his hands from the grasp of his daughter thirteen hundred francs and if not he added in a low and as it were confidential tone and if not louise is to be guillotined and again he imitated the turning of his lathe louise gave a piercing shriek he is mad she exclaimed he is mad and it is i it is i who am the cause oh yet it is not my fault i did not desire to do ill it was that monster courage courage my poor girl said rodolph let us hope that this attack is but momentary your father has suffered so much so many troubles all at once were more than he could bear his reason wanders for a moment it will soon be restored but my mother my grandmother my sisters my brothers what will become of them all exclaimed louise now they are deprived of my father and myself they must die of hunger misery and despair am i not here make your mind easy they shall want for nothing courage i say to you your disclosure will bring about the punishment of a great criminal you have convinced me of your innocence and i have no doubt but that it will be discovered and proclaimed ah sir you see 
dishonour madness death see the miseries which that man causes and yet no one can do anything against him nothing the very thought completes all my wretchedness so far from that let the contrary thought help to support you what mean you sir take with you the assurance that your father yourself and your family shall be avenged avenged yes that i swear to you replied rodolph solemnly i swear to you that his crimes shall be exposed and this man shall bitterly expiate the dishonour madness and death which he has caused if the laws are powerless to reach him if his cunning and skill equal his misdeeds then his cunning must be met by cunning his skill must be counteracted by skill his misdeeds faced by other misdeeds but which shall be to his but a just and avenging retribution inflicted on a guilty wretch by an inexorable hand when compared to a cowardly and base murder ah sir may heaven hear you it is no longer myself whom i seek to avenge but a poor distracted father my child killed in its birth then trying another effort to turn morel from his insanity louise again exclaimed adieu father they are going to lead me to prison and i shall never see you again it is your poor louise who bids you adieu my father my father my father to this distressing appeal there was no response in that poor destroyed mind there was no echo none the paternal cords always the last broken no longer vibrated the door of the garret opened the commissary entered my moments are numbered sir said he to rodolph i declare to you with much regret that i cannot allow this conversation to be protracted any longer this conversation is ended sir replied rodolph bitterly and pointing to the lapidary louise has nothing more to say to her father he has nothing more to hear from his daughter he is a lunatic i feared as much it is really frightful exclaimed the magistrate and approaching the workman hastily after a minute's scrutiny he was convinced of the sad reality ah oh, sir said he sorrowfully to rodolph i had already expressed my sincerest wishes that the innocence of this young girl might be discovered but after such a misfortune i will not confine myself to good wishes no no i will speak of this honest and distressed family i will speak of this fearful and last blow which has overwhelmed it and do not doubt but that the judges will have an additional motive to find the accused innocent thanks thanks sir said rodolph by acting thus it will not be a mere duty that you fulfil but a holy office which you undertake believe me sir our duty is always such a painful one that it is most grateful to us to be interested in anything which is worthy and good one word more sir the disclosures of louise morel have fully convinced me of her innocence will you be so kind as to inform me how her pretended crime was discovered or rather denounced this morning said the magistrate a housekeeper in the service of m ferrand the notary came and disposed before me that after the hasty departure of louise morel whom she knew to be seven months advanced in the family way she went into the young girl's apartment and was convinced that she had been prematurely confined footsteps had been traced in the snow which had led to the detection of a body of a new-born child buried in the garden after this declaration i went myself to the rue du sentier and found m jacques ferrand most indignant that such a scandalous affair should have happened in his house the curé of the church bonne nouvelle whom he had sent for 
also declared to me that louise morel had owned her fault in his presence one day when on this account she was imploring the indulgence and pity of her master that besides he had often heard m ferrand give louise morel the most serious warnings telling her that sooner or later she would be lost a prediction added the abbe which has been unfortunately fulfilled the indignation of m ferrand continued the magistrate seemed to me so just and natural that i shared in it he told me that no doubt louise morel had taken refuge with her father i came hither instantly for the crime being flagrant i was empowered to proceed by immediate apprehension rodolph with difficulty restrained himself when he heard of the indignation of m ferrand and said to the magistrate i thank you a thousand times sir for your kindness and the support you promise louise i will take care that this poor man as well as his wife's mother are sent to a lunatic asylum then addressing louise who was still kneeling close to her father endeavouring but vainly to recall him to his senses make up your mind my poor girl to go without taking leave of your mother spare her the pain of such a parting be assured that she shall be taken care of and nothing shall in future be wanting to your family for a woman shall be found who will take care of your mother and occupy herself with your brothers and sisters under the superintendence of your kind neighbour mademoiselle rigolette as for your father nothing shall be spared to make his return to reason as rapid as it is complete courage believe me honest people are often severely tried by misfortune but they always come out of these struggles more pure more strong and more respected two hours after the apprehension of louise the lapidary and the old idiot mother were by rodolph's orders taken to the bicetre by david where they were to be kept in private rooms and to receive particular care morel left the house in the rue du temple without resistance indifferent as he was he went wherever they led him his lunacy was gentle inoffensive and melancholy the grandmother was hungry and when they showed her bread and meat she followed the bread and meat the jewels of the lapidary entrusted to his wife were the same day given to madame mathieu the jewel-matcher who fetched them unfortunately she was watched and followed by tortillard who knew the value of the pretended false stones in consequence of the conversation he had overheard during the time morel was arrested by the bailiffs the son of bras rouge discovered that she lived boulevard saint denis number eleven rigolette apprised madeleine morel with considerable delicacy of the fit of lunacy which had attacked the lapidary and of louise's imprisonment at first madeleine wept bitterly and uttered terrible shrieks then the first burst of her grief over the poor creature weak and overcome consoled herself as well as she could by seeing that she and her children were surrounded by the many comforts which she owed to the generosity of their benefactor as to rodolph his thoughts were very poignant when he considered the disclosures of louise nothing is more common he said than this corrupting of the female servant by the master either by consent or against it sometimes by terror and surprise sometimes by the imperious nature of those relations which create servitude this depravity descending from the rich to the poor despising in its selfish desire the sanctity of the domestic hearth this depravity still most deplorable when it is voluntarily submitted to becomes hideous frightful when it is satisfied with violence it is an impure and brutal slavery an ignoble and barbarous tyranny over a fellow-creature who in her fright replies to the solicitations of her master by her tears and to his declarations with a shudder of fear and disgust 
and then continued rodolph what is the consequence to the female almost invariably there follow degradation misery prostitution theft and sometimes infanticide and yet the laws are as yet strangers to this crime every accomplice of a crime has the punishment of that crime every receiver is considered as guilty as the thief that is justice but when a man wantonly seduces a young innocent and pure girl renders her a mother abandons her leaving her but shame disgrace despair and driving her perchance to infanticide a crime for which she forfeits her life is this man considered as her accomplice pooh what then follows oh tis nothing nothing but a little love affair the whim of the day for a pair of bright eyes then she is left and he looks out for the next still more it is just possible that the man may be of an original an inquisitive turn perhaps at the same time an excellent brother and son and may go to the bar of the criminal court and see his paramour tried for her life if by chance he should be subpoenaed as a witness he may amuse himself by saying to the persons desirous of having the poor girl executed as soon as possible for the greater edification of the public morals i have something important to disclose to justice speak gentlemen of the jury this unhappy female was pure and virtuous it is true i seduced her that is equally true she bore me a child that is also true after that as she has a light complexion i completely forsook her for a pretty brunette that is still more true but in doing so i have only followed out an imprescriptible right a sacred right which society recognizes and accords to me the truth is this young man is perfectly in the right the jury would say one to another there is no law which prevents a young man from seducing a fair girl and then forsaking her for a brunette he is a gay young chap and that's all now gentlemen of the jury this unhappy girl is said to have killed her child i will say our child because i abandoned her because finding herself alone and in the deepest misery she became frightened and lost her senses and wherefore because having as she says to bring up and feed her child it was impossible that she could continue to work regularly at her occupation and gain a livelihood for herself and this pledge of our love but i think these reasons quite unworthy of consideration allow me to say gentlemen of the jury could she not have gone to the lying-in hospital if there was room for her could she not at the critical moment have gone to the magistrate of her district and made a declaration of her shame so that she might have had the authority for placing her child in the enfant trouvé in fact could she not whilst i was playing billiards at the coffee-house whilst awaiting my other mistress could she not have extricated herself from this affair by some genteeler mode than this for gentlemen of the jury i will admit that i consider this way of disposing of the pledge of our loves as rather too unceremonious and rude under the idea of thus quietly escaping all future care and trouble what is it enough for a young girl to lose her character brave contempt infamy and have an illegitimate child no but she must also educate the child take care of it bring it up give it a business and make an honest man of it if it be a boy like his father or an honest girl who does not turn wanton like her mother for really maternity has its sacred duties and the wretches who trample them under foot are natural mothers who deserve an exemplary and notable punishment as proof of which gentlemen of the jury 
i beg you will unhesitatingly hand over this miserable woman to the executioner and you will thus do your duty like independent firm and enlightened citizens dixie this gentleman looks at the question in a very moral point of view will say some hat-maker or retired furrier who is foreman of the jury he has done i faith what we should all have done in his place for the girl is very pretty though rather pallid in complexion this gay spark as the song says has kissed and has prattled with fifty fair maids and changed them as oft do you see and there is no law against that as to this unfortunate girl after all it is her own fault why did she not repulse him then she would not have committed a crime a monstrous crime which really puts all society to the blush and the hatter or the furrier would be right perfectly right what is there to criminate this gentleman of what complicity direct or indirect moral or material can he be charged this lucky rogue has seduced a pretty girl and he it is who has brought her there he does not deny it where is the law that prevents or punishes him society merely says there are gay young fellows abroad let the pretty girls beware but if a poor wretch through want or stupidity constraint or ignorance of the laws which he cannot read buys knowingly a rag which has been stolen he will be sent to the galleys for twenty years as a receiver if such be the punishment for the theft itself this is logical powerful reasoning without receivers there would be no thieves without thieves there would be no receivers no no more pity then even less pity for him who excites to the evil than he who perpetrates it let the smallest degree of complicity be visited with terrible punishment good there is in that a serious and fertile thought high and moral we should bow before society which had dictated such a law but we remember that this society so inexorable towards the smallest complicity of crime against things is so framed that a simple and ingenuous man who should try to prove that there is at least moral similarity material complicity between the fickle seducer and the seduced and forsaken girl would be laughed at as a visionary and if this simple man were to assert that without a father there would in all probability not be offspring society would exclaim against the atrocity the folly and it would be right quite right for after all this gay youth who might say these fine things to the jury however little he might like tragic emotions might yet go tranquilly to see his mistress executed executed for child murder a crime to which he was an accessory nay more the author in consequence of his shameless abandonment does not this charming protection granted to the male portion of society for certain gay doings suggested by the god of love show plainly that france still sacrifices to the graces and is still the most gallant nation in the world End of chapter two read by celine major